Welcome to the Hands in Motion podcast, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. Here we will discuss all things upper extremity therapy, from assessment to treatment, the latest research, the patient experience, and other topics related to the field of upper extremity rehab. Learn more and subscribe today at ASHT.org. Welcome back to another episode of Hands in Motion. And Kara and I are so excited over the next couple weeks to be bringing you a special series on Handfellow mentorships. And over the past couple of years, there have been more mentorship programs popping up. And we're going to be focusing our next episodes on some of those people that have enrolled in mentorships. Yeah, I'm really excited about this series. We're going to have the opportunity to talk with a few therapists, two that are currently doing a fellowship and one that recently finished one. So we'll get an inside scoop as to what a fellowship is all about, what their experience has been like in patient care and in their specific mentor time and how that has been structured. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to talking with them. Yeah. We're going to be talking about their educational opportunities and caring for patients in the clinic and maybe even observing with physicians and physician discussions. So we're going to be covering a vast or a wide variety of topics through the mentorship program. Yeah. And we'll also have the opportunity over, I would say the last 10, 12 years since I did my fellowship, there have been some some newer fellowships that have been started over the last several years. And we actually will have the opportunity to speak with two therapists that are currently developing a fellowship or one that actually, will, I believe, will be starting this fall to hear what it's like on their side, what they're looking for in fellows or what it takes to even start a fellowship. So some of you therapists might be thinking that might be an opportunity for you to add to your clinical practice. So make sure that you stick around for all those episodes, whether you're considering a fellowship or considering starting a fellowship, we're going to have lots of good conversation that might be of interest to many of you. Yeah. Information, suggestions, recommendations. So stay tuned. Absolutely. On this first episode of our fellowship series, we are joined by the two current hand therapy fellows from Johns Hopkins. They share with us how their fellowship is structured, what their typical week is like, and educational opportunities, both in the clinic and out. If you're considering applying for a fellowship, they also give great advice as to what to consider when choosing a fellowship to apply for. Welcome to Hands in Motion, Hannah and Rachel. Hi, Hannah and Rachel. Just give us a little bit of background about where you guys are from and what you're currently doing. Well, I'm Rachel. I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I did all my OT schooling at USC. I got my master's and doctorate at USC, and I am currently the hand fellow at Johns Hopkins with Hannah here. We are the two fellows for 2021. And my name is Hannah Enright. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I graduated from OT school in December 2019 at Maryville University. And yeah, I'm also the other hand therapist over at Johns Hopkins University. 
Great. Well, welcome. We're so glad to have you tonight. So we're going to kind of jump right in. So why did you guys, and you can each have your own little spotlight, why did you get into or have interest in doing a fellowship? That's a great question. In the world of hands, I feel like fellowships are fairly new. And I had always been interested in hand therapy. I did all my field work in hand therapy and I had worked at an outpatient clinic for a year before pursuing my fellowship. I just wanted more mentorship and I wanted to experience different mentorship styles, which the fellowship offered. I just really, really appreciated how structured the fellowship was in terms of education. And I came into this fellowship knowing that I'd want to get my CHT. So it was the great, you know, background and a great place to begin and learn under really great. I want to say mentor again, but I feel like I said mentorship five times. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I feel like I've said fellowship like 20 times, but you know, it's just a really great place to get a lot of knowledge and exposure and experience, not to just hand therapy, but mentorship as well. Because I think in the world of OT, we are always mentoring others So even with fieldwork students, so it was really nice to just see what's out there outside of California and seeing what hand therapy is like on the East Coast. Great. How about you, Rachel? Yeah. So I actually, I kind of was late in being interested in hand therapy towards the end of my schooling, but I was fortunate enough to get a clinical rotation for my level twos. And I had really good mentors during my time as a student, and then while I was a new grad, that were really systematic in their approach to evaluation, which I really, really liked. They were able to kind of not have like a one-size-fits-all approach to when they're evaluating, and they thought outside the box. They saw things that other people really didn't see as much, and I really appreciated that and loved seeing that. And I thought that it was the best way to be like cost effective for the patient and the best way to give the best care to the patient. So I couldn't really do that all on my own, just out as a new hand therapist. So that's why I pursued a fellowship. Rachel, you said that you're from California. So how did you choose Hopkins on the other (laughs) side, on the other side of the country? That's a big move. It is a big move. And I've been in sunny LA for, you know, my whole life. I've never left. So that's the the whole reason why I wanted to explore and go to the other coast. I specifically chose Hopkins because of how structured the program sounded. They have different modules. They guide us through every week. We do skills labs with, we have like eight or seven different mentors that we work with every week to get mentorship hours, but also to do skills lab you know, covering orthotics and different special topics that are really engaging. So I was just really drawn by how structured and organized it was. And I don't know, it just really called to me. And they have a whole page on their website of the past fellows. And so just reading their testimonials was really helpful. Nice. And I bet you had to buy a new winter coat. Oh my gosh. Wait, I didn't even have a winter coat. (laughs) Okay, not we new. Were, you had to buy a winter coat. <laughs> we were at the store and she kept picking out windbreakers and she was like, is this going to be enough? I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. Not going to happen. 
<laughs> I did a fellowship in Philadelphia and it was a shot coming from Texas. I, yeah. we have a little bit, I mean, clearly last year we couldn't handle ice and snow, but it was definitely an experience to see blizzards and, and yeah. all of that. So I at least did Absolutely. have a winter coat. So I didn't yeah. buy that, but I, yeah. I, I get you there. <laughs> so you, you talked about the skills lab, Hannah, what was all involved in or I guess is involved in the skills lab or what are some of the opportunities that y'all have for this or what's included in that? We have a lot of really great learning opportunities every week. So we actually just got through our module for joint mobilizations. We've been going weekly through shoulder, elbow. This week, it's going to be wrist practicing joint mobilization. So we'll do like a little bit of a lecture beforehand, or sometimes they'll send like a handout before so that we can review it. And then the most of the time during lab is just practicing those skills, which is really nice because as soon as we practice them, we can go ahead and use them in the clinic. And then there's also like modules for cervical screening, for nerve compressions, for neurodynamics, I'm probably missing a few. Yeah, <laughs> There's a lot, yeah. Uh, we're, we're in the future, we'll cover like flexor tendon, tendon injury type special topics. We'll go into discussions about, you know, musicians and injuries they may have. And we do a lot of orthotics. We did a lot of, you know, different gutter splints and, you know, what we make in our fellowship. That was earlier. Mm-hmm. You might have mentioned this a long way, but how long is the fellowship? I know they vary in length. I know, Kara, yours was a year, correct? It was six or months. Or six months. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how, how, how long? It's a year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And when did you start? We started in August of 2021 and we'll, or end of August, and we'll finish September 2022. Okay. Nice. We're going to see a lot in that, that year's time. It's very lucky, you know, that you get to have that opportunity. We are very lucky. We're also placed in two different settings. So Hannah is currently at a community-based clinic and I'm at the downtown hospital. And actually one month we'll be switching roles. And so we get different populations that we get to work with. Oh, that's really neat. I hadn't heard of a fellowship that did that, that exposes you to probably different referral types based on location. And that's Mm -hmm. really cool. Very special. What kind are you seeing at each location? Like give us a little bit of background of what types of patients you're seeing. Yeah. So at the community-based clinic, it's like there's a way less splinting involved, which is good because I kind of needed to ease my way into that anyway. I didn't have as much experience and I'm, I'm not super confident with it. I'm still developing those skills. I've gotten one flexor tendon repair, which was cool. Other than that though, it's been a lot of digital fractures, some nerve compressions, some some rotator cuff tears. So I'm getting a good mix of, of shoulder to hand injuries. And at the downtown hospital, <laughs> my mentor and I joke that I went through like baptism by fire because just straight <laughs> off the bat, <laughs> a lot of splints through walk-ins. I'm currently like handling three flexor tendon cases and we get some nerve transfers as well. We have an awesome surgeon here called Dr. Tufaha, who's been doing a lot of those nerve transfers. So we get some of his patients and tendon transfers and also more of the chronic things like tendonitis and fractures and things like that. So take us through like what a typical week looks like. Is there 
a specific amount that is for direct patient care is part of it, that skills lab or what other, op- like, what does that week look like for you? And it may look a little different based on those two locations you just said. Sure. So they started ramping us up with the number of patients we saw, but currently we see about eight patients a day. We both have a designated day for a study day. So Hannah gets Wednesday and I get Friday where we're not doing any clinical hours. That's like a day just designated to study. And Fridays are always our skills lab. So those are at 7 a.m. So we spend that seven to eight hour to go through those topics together, either in person or through Zoom. We also do bi-weekly journal clubs on Tuesday nights with the surgeons at Johns Hopkins, which has been really cool because, you know, it's just interesting hearing about their side of how they're doing surgeries. And then usually at the end, we'll do a presentation of what therapy looks like as well. So it helps us to get more acquainted with the surgeries and surgeons that are doing them. And then on top of that, every other, every other month, we do a combined journal club with University of Maryland and Johns Hopkins, like hand therapy. So we get to meet other surgeons and other therapists. So it's a lot of opportunity for learning and just, you know, even networking. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great collaboration. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that that has been really nice just because I think that was an area where I really struggled with as a new grad. I didn't really understand like how to interact well with surgeons and you kind of need that really good collaborative piece between hand therapy and surgeons. So it's been very helpful. So Rachel, you mentioned earlier and you said, I've used the word mentor a lot. What (laughs) is the, which is great. I think that's, it's a necessary in our, in our field. And I think it's a word that we can continue to use. So (laughs) what is the mentoring like in your fellowship? Because that was such an important piece to you. How is that structured? It is highly structured. So either one hour a day or one hour every couple of days that's set aside for you to meet with your designated mentor. And thank you for your permission for me to use that word. (laughs) Use it, use it. Yeah. So at the downtown location, I have two mentors. So either I will be able to meet with one of them or the other for a whole hour to talk about different cases, or they will sit in on my sessions and they will observe and give me really specific feedback that I think is so important and useful for when I treat future patients, just to understand if I'm missing anything, what I can do to improve. But also if I ever have a question about any patient, I know that they will set aside time to meet with me, even if it's five minutes or 10 minutes to just help me pick their brain, but they'll never give me the answer, right? It has to be coming from my mouth, my brain. So it's more like, like a brainstorm session. That's really, they're just there to bounce ideas off of. That's great. Sometimes that can be frustrating and you want them just to come out and say it, but (laughs) where we learn is how we synthesize that information and come to that conclusion ourselves. So absolutely good for them for making y'all do that (laughs) (laughs) as frustrating as it can be sometimes when you just want to know. So are there other opportunities for interacting with the physicians? So are you able to observe in clinic or are you able to go to the OR or what are some of the other opportunities outside of hand therapy that you've had or will have? 
Yeah. So our physician's shadowing is actually coming up, which is really exciting. In two weeks, I think I'll be watching a surgery. And then the following week, I'll be watching another doctor in a clinic. I can't report yet, but I'm pretty excited (laughs) about it. (laughs) I also have the same opportunities as well. I think that collaboration with the physicians and even having the ability to observe surgeries. Like I said, I haven't done a fellowship, but I was able to have that opportunity several years ago working closely with some physicians. I would follow them with their just daily, like the visits and go in and out to see patients with them. And they were very you know, receptive as far as having me there, but they were also very informative and just explaining everything as they're going and why they do certain things, what they're looking for. And then I was able to go in the OR, you know, several times with them. And it just makes, it makes everything kind of click to be able to put everything together. And it's different, you know, looking at anatomy images versus actually seeing it up in person, you know, and it is, it really clicks if it's a patient that you're actually seeing or you see afterwards, like you observe their surgery and then they're referred to you. It just kind of helps. It comes full circle. You know, you really understand what's going on, being able to see like what was damaged or whatever, what was repaired. Mm -hmm. A cool thing that the downtown hospital is doing is my mentor goes into the OR with the surgeon every Thursday from eight to 12 just to be like an at like at point contact therapist when she sees patients or when the surgeon sees patients. So my mentor is able to give them like exercises right then and there and education and even bring them down to the clinic to make splints for them. So it's like really fast, you know, efficient care. Oh, wow. That's great. That's a great opportunity. So how much studying or prep work do y'all have to do after you're done, after your day is done, how much time or what is, what are y'all spending your time studying or what all goes into that? Or what is your commitment? Yeah. So we have, we're set up with these modules called live conferences that go through each topic. And we have like a schedule of what we're covering for the week and readings associated with that. And then live conference modules. But if you're seeing a patient that say has Dupatrins, and you don't know much about Dupatrins, you can go over to look the live conference modules and look at that. So it's very much, you have to stay on top of it. And it's a lot of independent learning, but it has a nice structure to it too, which I like a lot. Yeah. So our skills labs are sort of paired with the live conferences, which is an online educational thing, and also rehab of the hand. So on top of all the conferences, all the the skills labs, all of these other, you know, like reading journal clubs, we have to, we're sort of inching our way through rehab of the hand chapter by chapter. (laughs) So I really appreciate how they sort of group things together. So it's not just like everything's all over the place. They've really made a conscientious effort to like pair our skills labs with the live conference modules and rehab of the hand readings. So it just really just makes sense. But yeah, we're inching our way through the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) It's an undertaking (laughs) for sure. Yeah, I know that that book, my previous edition is quite beat up. There has to be, oh, hundreds of stickies in there. (laughs) (laughs) Been through a lot. (laughs) That was before digital version. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Rachel, so far, what has been like the highlight of your fellowship? What's been kind of the best part so far? I know you're like halfway through, but what so far, what has been the best part? Oh my gosh, that answer is so easy. The best part of my mentorship or fellowship has been meeting Hannah. (laughs) She is (laughs) the best person. I have no idea how they picked such a wonderful (laughs) co-fellow. Like our friendship just makes sense. And it feels like I've known her for like 50 years. Yeah, Yeah. I feel the same. (laughs) It's been really great having someone to go through this with. And we've clicked so well. So it's been awesome. We commiserate together. (laughs) We live together. We like breathe, eat, sleep, hand therapy. So we're always talking about different cases. We're always mobbing each other. (laughs) Yeah, it's been really, really helpful having someone with me to to go all through this with. Absolutely. I had the opportunity when I did my fellowship, there were two of us as well. And working alongside Jennifer, like you said, kind of having somebody there to bounce ideas off of each other, but to support, like we both were going through the same thing, the studying, the workload, like all of it. We didn't live together, but we weren't too far, (laughs) but we did have a lot of fun together and learned together. So I, I would look back at my fellowship and say, that's a highlight too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do they provide housing? I know that might sound no. So you have to pay for housing while you're there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kara, did you have housing? No, we, I had to, I went to Philly one weekend and feverishly found a place to live. Although what's kind of funny about where I chose to live while I was keeping my apartment in Dallas, because I knew I would come back to Dallas to work. And so I got a, I think it was like less than 300 square foot apartment in Philly, which was more than my rent. It cost me more in Philly than it did my place in Dallas, but, and then bought like a futon from Ikea and all this just (laughs) random furniture. But the fellow that came after me, I said, Hey, I've got all this stuff. I don't need it. I'm not taking it home. Why don't you take it? And so she took it. And then I want to say, I went back for the conference a couple years later and I went and saw another girl lived in the same building. So there were like (laughs) four or five of us that all lived in the same building, like each year after each other. And I went up to her apartment and she had my shower curtain. So I thought that's great. Like we're just all like passing along. (laughs) I have no idea where that West Elm shower curtain is today, but you know, it got, it got some good use out of it. If anybody has it out there, Kara's looking for it back. No, that's okay. You might and have it's it. not, the, not, the, not the plastic one, the decorative one. So we went on the next door app and we got like pretty much our entire like we we came up with no dining room table, no couch, nothing. Nothing. We got oh, wow. a free couch and a bunch of free stuff. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh wow, that's funny. How did y'all like I guess plan to live together? knowing that one of you is from California and the other from Missouri, like not probably not knowing each other beforehand. How did y'all decide to, to live together? I looked at how much we were getting paid and I (laughs) knew we had no other choice. (laughs) (laughs) Our director Joe ended up giving us 
each other's contact information. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, all, good. Jo- all jokes aside, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I think that's great. I think a little bit of help because you are moving to a new place and it may or may not be temporary. The Jennifer, the, my co-fellow ended up staying. So hers was a little bit more permanent because she, she knew she wasn't going back. Whereas mine, I knew it was temporary. I was there for six months and knew I was coming back to Texas. So it is a little intimidating to move across the country to a new place and not really know, like I had no idea what neighborhood to live in. Or I looked at living on campus and living 20, 30 minutes away, like I had no clue. So it's nice that y'all were able to, mm-hmm. to we meet were, up. We and... were on the same boat too, but because it was the pandemic, it was hard to come over and visit. Oh, I bet. So yeah. we just did a lot of researching and asking around. So currently we live in a suburb that's like 20 minutes away from both of our sites. So it's like a little triangle. So that throws a wrench in things. So yeah, location wise, where what's the distance between the downtown campus or the hospital campus and the community campus? I'm about 15 minutes away from my site. So the commute is not bad at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm about 20 minutes. So it's just like a huge triangle, but I do hit a little bit more traffic. It's on the highway. Yeah. But we'll switch. (laughs) (laughs) She'll get the extra five minutes. (laughs) So Rachel, what would be, and I'm going to ask this to both of you, what would be your advice to someone who is thinking about doing a fellowship? What would your advice be to them? My advice would be come up with a list of questions because I'm sure you're going to have many and call these different fellowship you know, directors and just ask your questions. That really helped narrow down my choice of what program I would be going with. And don't be afraid to even reach out to the people who have done the fellowship in the past, because I feel like they have the most information. What about you, Hannah? I definitely agree with Rachel. I think the best thing you can do is just reach out to previous fellows and see what their take on it was and, you know, how they even figured out things like housing and what the cost of living was, was really like just basic stuff like that. And just getting a good idea of what the layout of the program is. If it is it more structured or are you going to be kind of off on your own and it's going to be like all stuff online and not a whole lot of, because we have a really nice mix of online independent learning and then like in-person labs and mentor hours. And so just be clear on what you're looking for and ask the right questions, I guess. I guess, yeah, even before asking questions, like make a list of things that you need to have from a fellowship. Like make it about you. Like, what do you want out of this fellowship? Because six months and a year is a long time. You know, that's like a huge amount of time to invest in your education. So really make a list of what you prioritize and then ask questions accordingly. That's a really good advice, really to look at what you're looking for, because it does have to be a right fit. And you are part of that equation, no matter how good a fellowship is, if it's not the right place, if it's not the right structure, if it's not the the right ratio of therapist to fellow, there's so many things that can go into it. And I think you're right that you have to make it the right spot for you too. So having that list before you even look at all the, the different fellowships. And as you mentioned earlier, there weren't, even when I was looking at fellowships, there weren't 
that many. And that was about 12 years ago. And there's so many more now, and they all have something a little bit different to offer. So that's really good advice to make a list of, of what you're looking for to get out of it as well. All right. Well, I think we covered everything. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Hands in Motion brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. You can listen on the ASHT website and or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Once subscribed, please rate and review the podcast to help us reach new listeners and continue to offer valuable, relevant content. You've been listening to Hands in Motion brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. To learn more about ASHT and to subscribe to the show, please visit ASHT.org. We'll see you next time on the Hands in Motion podcast.